we are live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. The Vlogcast comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why. This Vlogcast started out as a combination of spite and the Streisand effect to answer the burning question of why the hell people on Facebook don't know how to argue because I've got a great new friend and oh, I love, I love what I do. Part of this is to follow through with the old adage, sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. I'm your main host. I'm not a shooting triple all over the place, S-H-U-J-I-N. You can find me easily, pretty much any social media under that name. I'm the only one that's got it. Can't imagine why. Let me introduce you to uh, the folks that were able to wake up, apparently, for tonight's show, because I don't know where the hell everybody is right now. Top left-hand corner. I need a go, no-go Calgary. We're go. All's good here. Thanks for joining, Dallin. Yeah. And south of me into Pittsburgh, give me a no-go, Joe. Cup holders are go. Eight-track cassette player, go. I like a thing. I don't know how the song is supposed to go. It's it's a, some some people get that Star Trek reference, and if you don't, yeah, it wasn't that great a movie. I'm sorry, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, right now it's it's just the three of us, which means this is uh, the uh, TGIF uh, show part two. Apparently, <laughs> I was, was going to say that this is this is Friday night, just prorated video. And, video and videoed. Yeah, it's it's pretty much it. Yeah. So. Let me uh, let me give you guys a real quick explanation. Um, normally, I would have uh, the uh, announcement out to the panelists uh, roughly a half an hour before show. Uh, that was about that. And uh, I don't know. Oh, well, look at this. I don't know where Derek Woman is. Uh, Bridget had to lay down for a little bit. She may be joining us. We're not quite sure yet. I have no idea where Unreno Tech is at the moment. But uh, joining us from just over the pond into... Paris, I was just saying thank you for joining us, Joseph. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Today? I'm I'm actually doing well. I was a little bit worried because uh, I, I actually incorporated part of your uh, part of your suggestion into tonight's show. I, th- I think you might have noticed that uh, in the in the announcement. Yeah, I read it. Yeah. Good. There was an announcement. I. Dude, I always have a show announcement because it's. It, I put it out there. It's, it, it's kind of what I have to do. You know that. Yeah, you know, as, as far as um, heretic woman goes, she she might be in hiding right now, um, given the uh, little bomb that she dropped on Facebook earlier today, or was it today or yesterday? I think I might have missed this. Well, no, it, well, no, actually, no. We were talking about it before the show went live, oh, and well, since that. she's not here. I'll plug it anyway, because, well, I'm just that kind of a nice guy. Uh, Heretic Woman has undertaken a new enterprise, a new podcast. It's called Full Quranic, uh, because, as you know, you should never go full Quranic. And what it is, is that her plan, and she actually talked about this a couple of shows ago, um, where she was planning to, front to back, read the Quran in chronological order. And she dropped the announcement on Facebook. I think it was either yesterday or today. And I went to the site. She's actually got eight episodes done already. So she actually followed through with a, with a little tip that I gave her. Um, don't say anything until you're done the first five. Because then by then you'll have established, you know, your tempo, your, your pacing, um, your content, your volume, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Add freaking nauseam. 
Um, I will say, though, um, I've listened to the first two, and she's doing a hell of a job so far. Um, bringing up a lot of the history of that region of the world at that time. Um, the snark is yeah, definitely there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's you know. bringing in context, which is which is great. That's that's always lacking. Well, that's and often I, lacking in a lot yes. of about the Quran. I agree. Um, I also like the fact that she's um, planning to go chronological with it as opposed to how it's ordered when you get the book itself. Uh, apparently it's ordered from the, the biggest surahs to the smallest or something. Um, I don't know. I don't own one yet. Um, but no, I, like I said, I, I think she's off to a good start. I know it's been tried before. Um, there have been a couple of other people who've tried to do it, but uh, either they, well, they, they got sick of it and pursued other goals or, you know, the shows they had just evolved into something else. So we'll have to see what happens. I'm interested to see uh, her take on it though. So that means that I'm going to have to uh, update the show notes in order to make sure that we have that linked in so that you guys can Mm -hmm. take advantage of checking that out. I just looked at the show notes and I suddenly realized, Oh crap. I I, I never updated her, uh, her links for uh, beyond the trailer park for Facebook. (laughs) Uh, uh, on the other side of the equation, she didn't exactly tell me that it needed to be updated. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take half credit. So to yeah, speak. I'm, I'm, so. I'm just going to sit over in the corner and wait for that one to hash out. I'll let you two take care of that. No, and, it's, uh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You, you, you just yeah. do the audio part. Oh. I'll just go ahead and yeah. deal with the PR nightmare. Communication people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, really heretic woman, you know, you bitch. Thanks. Oh God! If she logs on tonight, you are so boned. <laughs> you say that now would be the first I time. Diplomacy people. Yeah, you know, funny enough, uh, that's actually oh. going to become part of tonight's talk because. Anyway, mm-hmm. so for those of you that are watching, of course, live first. Thank you. Take advantage of the live chat, of which uh, Stephanie is there. Hello. And for those of you that are wondering, uh, watching live, yes, I do have my spiffy hat on because I finally decided that I was going to go ahead and wear it because uh, I couldn't wear it with my uh, big headphones because I couldn't put the phones on my head and not look like an idiot. So I've got little earbuds in my head going down my shirt and out my shirt into the computer. So it actually looks like real professional. And I've completely blown the magic right now, haven't I? That's just beautiful. Hey, you know what? It could be worse. Actually, I I thought it was the big fucking cord poking out one of your ears behind your neck. It broke the magic, but no, that's the one that ties them into the chair and into the matrix. Wrong cord. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was going to cool. Okay, we have USB shirts now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't knock this so much, Joseph. I have actually seen um, jackets with batteries like inside, like a sleeve pocket or whatever. Like they are literally USB jackets. Oh, that's awesome! I was thinking something with like a flash, flashy message you could like hook up to a smartphone. You can just change it from time to time. Hmm. Uh, Dallin, uh, sounds a little like somebody that you posted a video of not too very long ago. Hmm. Oh boy, didn't I? Yes, Mister M Blade. Yes, um, was that? Yeah, I missed last Saturday because of that, didn't I? Yeah, 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 you did. 
Well, it was it was so funny because um, okay, so two weeks ago we had uh, Doctor Nuka in here from First Science. Yep. And after the show, uh, Nuka and I talked for a little bit, and it turns out that he doesn't live too very far from me. And we started tossing names around back and forth about uh, who we knew. And it turns out we actually do, we kind of Venn diagram a little bit when it comes to circles of friends. There's my scientific contribution for the day. You're welcome. Anyways, so last weekend I was at a Christmas party for our local chapter of the furry fandom. And it was a potluck dinner. So everybody brought stuff. I got to hook up with people I hadn't seen in a very long time. Uh, some of whom hadn't seen me since before I went into the hospital in March. So there was uh, a few tears, which was nice. It's always nice to know you're missed. Um, after that, of course, comes the dance. And as someone who's been to this event many times over the years since it all started, um, watching this thing evolve over the years has been incredible. And, uh, so here we actually had a decent sound system. We had a DJ who actually knew his shit. Uh, Jake is actually damn good at what he does. And of course, at any furry event come the suitors. And this one particular suitor, uh, M blade, he is a, his costume is that of a white Akita. And he has track lighting installed in the suit that is actually controlled in his palms. So he can actually do different kinds of light displays, different colors and different patterns as he goes. And I, I put up a one minute video on Facebook not too long ago about uh, showing, showing him off. Um, and then I actually tweeted about it and he got back to me and he, he actually thanked me for posting the video. He thought that was really cool. And he says that there are changes coming. So I'm wondering what, what the suit's going to evolve into next. If we get, uh, if we get lucky enough, uh, if we've got a video outside of uh, Facebook that we can utilize, we'll see if we can't link that out so everybody can check it out if you don't have Facebook. So how's that? Yeah, Sounds we'll good. See, I'll see what I can do. Okay. So uh, with that done, let me go ahead and get everything started. Um, I'm going to be talking about uh, something very, very unusual uh, this time around. So uh, I hope that uh, I very much hope that uh, some of the folks that are mentioned are paying attention we're listening at some point so with five minutes on the clock your five minutes starts right now i titled this one rats yeah we could you know we could evoke uh thoughts of the rous's as was uh, mentioned in the text chat for the group over here the rodents of unusual size i don't believe they exist and well they may not exist but there's a group of them that have hearts that you would not believe. Now, I'm not talking about literal rats in this particular case. There is a group, there's a contingent of people who have banded together in a video game called Elite Dangerous. Now, Elite Dangerous is a very weird kind of video game. It, it is not what you would typically refer to as a game. It is effectively a space simulator. I guess is probably the best way of putting it. Elite harkens back to the mid-80s, as a matter of fact. So it's had a very long run. And I remember playing it in the late 80s and early 90s on my Amiga 2000. Gives you an idea as to just how 
long this thing has been out there. The idea is that you have uh, you're given a spaceship, and it has a certain amount of fuel and a certain amount of distance that it can travel out in the open space, and a certain amount of weaponry and defensive measures and cargo capacity, so you can build up however much money you've got, and eventually you can get yourself a bigger spaceship and continue on. And for the majority of its career, this this game has been for a single person to play with. And on a single floppy disk, a three and a half inch floppy disk, or maybe two, I forget how many it came on, it would generate the Milky Way. Now, of course, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, there's no way in hell that you'd actually have the entirety of the Milky Way on a, you know, 1.44 meg floppy disk. I mean, it's just not possible. But a couple of years ago, they came out with a new iteration, Elite Dangerous. And they have the entirety of the Milky Way for you to actually visit. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's terrifying at times. But the overall is still the same. You start with a ship. You can get bounties by shooting down pirates. You can travel around and get exploration data for star systems that haven't been mapped yet. You can take very, you know, quantities of whatever from place to place and sell it. But now the big twist is that it's a giant community. You can play all by yourself, and all of the spaceships that you come across are just, you know, NPCs. But the majority of it now is everybody out there in the Milky Way interacting with NPCs and each other. And that's where this comes to be amazing. There's a group, a community of these space jockeys that have called themselves the Fuel Rats. And what they do for no money, for no exchange of anything, if you run out of fuel somewhere, you send up the rat signal, you get in touch with them, they will find out where you are, and they will come out, and they will gas you up to get you somewhere where you can get regular fuel again. Now, that doesn't sound too terribly special. Except within the last week, one spaceship driver said, I'm going to go as north in the galaxy of the Milky Way as I can, get the last star behind me, and just go and see how far out I can get. Did the math, figured out how much fuel they're going to need in order to get out as far as they could, and then turn around and jump back to the, another star system. Well, they made a mistake with their calculations. They ended out after a two-day solid drive away from one star, 11 light years away, they ran out of fuel. They couldn't jump back. And they called the fuel rats. And even though this is just a game, a community of people came together, drove for four days in order to get to where they were, get set up, get a plan together and get three other ships to trace after this person drove 48 hours to meet up with them, gave them gas, got them home. Why am I pointing this one out? Because even 
when there are no real stakes, even when it doesn't matter, when, even when there is no real death on the line, to call back to the ROUSs, human ingenuity, the drive to do good, the egalitarian part of us is there, even if the risk is minimal even though it happens to be the end of winter, it doesn't matter. There are communities of people when given the opportunity to do whatever they could, they decide that the good of the one outweighs the good of the many because the good of the many helps the one. To all you guys out there, in the feel wreck community. I just want to share a little piece that I did for you guys. Operation feel beyond the void, no matter where you go, will be there. Typically the feel rats logo and is the, the red head, but usually their slogan is we have fuel. You don't. Any questions? <laughs> Good job, guys. Well, well done. This is episode 193 on the docket, Your Honor. Happy Gravmas 2017 and laughing stocks. Cause that's that's kind of what we are right now. And there's there's a there's a thing about all that. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Anyway, for those of you that want to find out a little bit more about this particular uh, this particular adventure that was done in uh, in Newly Dangerous, in the show notes you will find the uh, the listing to the Frontier forums where an entire write up was done by the commanders involved, and it's it would make for one hell of a story to be actually written up, maybe even turned into a movie, maybe a, a short for YouTube if YouTube does that anymore, mm -hmm. but, um, it was definitely worth it. It was, it was definitely worth it. And I was proud to have been able to watch when it happened. So episode 193, uh, we're going to, we're going to kind of talk about, um, some of the stuff that has happened over the year. Some of the stuff that we are grateful that we got some of the stuff that we really don't want anymore. And as uh, as uh, Joseph had uh, pointed out, you know there is uh, there is something about, and this is not the way that he worded it to me, but there is something about anti intellectualism that seems to have been trickling down, even if economics doesn't, from the highest points, the highest echelons here in my country, down to the smallest people with the smallest voices. You didn't, but I was kind of trying to figure out how far out can I pull this picture and still be relevant <laughs> because uh, Joseph had basically said, look, you know, you, people are not really taking a theism and really understanding it. And I, I know, I know, I know I'm, I'm kind of taking a little bit of liberty, but, you know, people just are not being intellectual about the words that they're using and the, un the understandings that they're supposed to have. And that's kind of. Where so I'm, basically, I, you're taking my point and you're tying it into yours. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to make it, uh, I wanted to take it as a jumping-off point and get a bigger, 
uh, a bigger picture to go through because well the two parts of the same bigger picture so so your your complaint is what exactly then because i'm not complaining okay <laughs> just making sure of that by the way trippin i do see you over there hey man yeah. so uh, normally i'd go ahead and uh, talk to you guys about uh well, with Heretic Woman about what's been going on with Rafe Badawi. Uh, there is some news that's uh, come out uh, earlier today, I believe it was. Uh, let me just double check that. It was yesterday, as a matter of fact. Courtesy of uh, CBC News, the headline of this one is Wife of Rafe Badawi Furious After Ottawa Suggests Asking for His Father's Pardon. Basically, um, who who was it? Uh, MP and Parliamentary Secretary for Foreign Affairs, Omar, and I'm going to mispronounce this, I'm sure, Algebra, suggested on Thursday to contact her father-in-law and request that he write a letter of pardon for his imprisoned son. Basically to say, look, why don't you get in touch with Rafe's dad, your father-in-law, and ask him to write the government and ask for him to be released, to be pardoned. Here's the problem. The father-in-law is one of the people that was yelling and screaming for Reef to be jailed in the first place. I kind of thought that. Yep. Which means even if you go ahead and you ask him, what's he going to do? He's going to say, uh, well, I, I could be wrong, but uh, I, I don't know. Uh, does Google Translate uh, know how to translate uh, fuck you from Quebecois into uh, whatever? I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know, but uh, it does show a fair bit of ignorance on the part of the foreign minister. Um, but how common that knowledge was about uh, Ray's father-in-law, I don't know. I mean, yeah, given uh, Ancef's, you know, the, the whole context, yeah, she knows this, and she could definitely take it as a very flippant comment, and I hope this guy actually does realize what kind of landmine he just stepped on with that one. Um, but again, I don't know how common that knowledge is in terms of his father-in-law having been one of the advocates to say, you know, lock him up. Uh, I mean, this is the first I'd heard of it, but then again, I'm also not completely steeped in the story. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, it was ignorant on his part, but I don't know if it was, if he was being arrogant or if he was being misinformed. Worst part of it is uh, if it was, if it was pure ignorance, you know, uh, saying I don't know enough about this, so I best not say anything at all would be a far better answer. But, you know, that's just me. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people. This is the origin of the, the, the saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. yeah. Sadly. So with that in mind and the hopes that there is the possibility of a pardon in the near future, we are still hoping. As of the recording of tonight's show, however, it is currently five years, six months, seven days since Reef Badawi was unjustly incarcerated for thought crime. Our thoughts and our hopes are still with you and your family. 
We're really hoping, man. We're really hoping. So let's uh, l- let me let me tell you a little about about um, what really, really, really pissed me off this particular week. <laughs> that uh, that kind of got me to thinking of uh, incorporating what Joseph had suggested and making it a little bit a little bit more uh, widespread. You may have heard about uh, a story where one of the uh, ambassadors from my country to, uh, I forget exactly where it was, Netherlands, I believe it was, was was asked by uh, local media, news reporters, about something that he had said in 2015 about how cars were being set on fire, that politicians were being set on fire, that there were no-go zones in different areas because of strife from radical Islamists and that kind of thing. And the, uh, the reporter asked him about it. And he said that he never said anything like this. And that was what we would call fake news. The reporter, as a matter of fact, not only was able to quote him directly, but able to show him. And he denied that he said that it was fake news of what was being said about him at this point. The reporter on camera literally did the double take into the camera completely agog. You said this. We have you recorded as saying it. I can show you a transcript. I can show you the video of what you said that you now say that that was fake news. Okay, here's the transcript. Here's the video. But wait a minute. Now you're saying that you never said that that was fake news not two minutes ago? So this, this drove me up a wall because I heard about this one. I saw the reports about it and I was just like, nah, come on. We can't really scrape the bottom of the barrel this hard, can we? And I looked at the video and I watched it and sure as shit, he did. I, I, Absolutely. Think, you, I think you left the bottom of the barrel way behind a couple of months ago. You're, you're halfway to freaking China right now, my friend. Yeah, that's the, that's the equivalent of a toddler covering, covering their eyes and concluding that nobody else can see them either. You know, the last time I saw something this bad was on one of those um, so-called investigative reports shows, you know, where they they go after the the corrupt auto mechanic who overcharges you because he says, you know, your, your flim flam isn't working with your grapple grommet or some shit like that inside your vehicle. And of course, most people will just eat it up because, you know, really they open up the hood. They don't know what the hell's going on anyway. So they get one of those reporters to go out. He's, he's a ringer, right? And he goes in, he needs an oil change. And then this guy says, oh, you need this, you need that, you need all that. And then two weeks later, they turn around, they, they confront the guy, they show him the video. And I mean, it's his face. They, they, did, they blanked nothing out. It's there. It's, it's as candid as it can be with, you know, a spy cam back in the day. But like, okay, 
even real facial recognition could pick this son of a bitch out on the camera. And what does he do? He, he pulls a shaggy. One me. That's not me. Uh, yeah, it is. No, uh, that's not me. Well, then who is it? Well, I don't know, but it's not me. I actually saw this on on on, on TV. And from what you're saying, it sounds like exactly the same thing. But good God, this is a politician. Worse than that, it's not just a politician. It's someone who is supposed to be a representative of my federal government to a federal government of a, a different country oh. entirely. I mean, an ambassador to a different country. And he said that there are no go zones and politicians are being set on fire and, and, and cars are being set on fire. And two years later, he's now in a position to actually go there. No, 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 that was fake news. I never said that. No, I didn't call it fake news. I don't think that's what I said. Even though you said all of it two minutes is, ago. All of this is a result of a, a society that, that doesn't question anything. Because like these guys wouldn't do this sort of thing if if it didn't work. Sadly enough, uh, Joey, what do you got? Oh yeah, look at that. What do we got? Go ahead, Joey. Tell it for the people who aren't looking. <laughs> you already said it. I'm just I'm just putting <laughs> a face to your uh... <clears throat> disgruntled nature. Yes. Well, your uh, discourse. Yeah. Um, it's the problem with that is that I think you know the people who made that maybe it's got a catapult setting. <laughs> only if uh, only if you complain if, too much, uh, it switches. <laughs> only if Christmas time is uh, near and the small little Chinese critters are messing with the mucking with the wiring. Um, See that. Yeah, the the only way where I could see that one would be like really good would be if we were to export those from here in the U.S. over to Great Britain and install them in Great Britain because they use 220 voltage most of the time over there where we use 110. And, you know, figure out what it would do running mm. somebody up the stairs with uh, 220 instead of 110 volts. Zoom! Uh, what was it Hudson said from, uh, from Aliens? Run an express elevator to hell? <laughs> That the and, case? and they use and they use metrics, so it probably goes twice as slow. Well, yeah. Anyway, but uh, so anyway, so that, 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 that wasn't supposed to make sense. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So that was the news report that really, really, really pissed me off. Because the more I see these things happening, the more I'm realizing. I mean, I I I knew it already before because of everything that's been going on. But the more I see it, the more it cements the idea that right now the United States at a federal level is a laughing stock. As a matter of fact, here, I, wait, I would tend to agree with you on that. Here's but another piece. But they're still there. Here, yes. And here, here's yeah. another piece. That's what scares me. My federal government at its highest level highest elected level, if not intellectual, has gone ahead and said, we're now going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The United Nations collectively said, that's a really bad idea, and we're not following you on this one, except for a couple of holdouts. Now, 
I am not going to in any way blame Canada for not taking sides on this one. I can understand the position that they're in because we got enough shit going on back and forth between us. But mm-hmm. collectively, the rest of pretty much the rest of the world basically said, uh, yeah, this is not a good idea. And we're not following you down that rabbit hole. My federal government, the representative to the United Nations said, and I'm paraphrasing, although loosely so, if you voted against us, we're going to take your name and we're going to remember later. How did Russia vote on this? I, truth be told, I do not know. Give me a second. Uh, I'll find out. uh, But it was just another look keys move by Trump. Yeah. And you know, the, the more, the more this stuff happens, the more I think, and, and I've, I've told Gallon this too. I'm not firmly convinced that all this stuff is for incompetence. Now, normally the, normally the adage is, you know, never attribute to malice what you can attribute to incompetence. But the more that this happens, the more I really think that this is um, intentional. This shit just keeps happening. Well, the, the Republicans, you know, starting with Reagan, um, you know, they, they have to keep better control over their ventriloquist dummies. Because, you know, when they start talking all the off without a hand up their ass, uh, well, things tend to, to go south. Yeah, and um, that, like I said, these things happening, these very, what seem to be very anti-intellectual steps are annoying, to put it mildly. Maybe I should unpackage that a bit because I mean the people like the the the, the Republican president since Reagan, um, they're, with the exception of uh, maybe George Bush Senior, um, they're not really the, the the people running the show. They're being um, put in place to to accomplish certain tasks by people working behind the scenes, but uh, you know. Unfortunately for them, or fortunately for them, um, fortunately for us, unfortunately for them, anyways, um, they had no choice but Trump to to back in this election. So, um, yeah, that's that actually was a lot of it. Like the the whole you know trying to choose the lesser of two evils because the the digger you deep into like Hillary's side of things, um. She wasn't much better in, in terms of like political crony cronyism, if you will. Um, well, being in corporate pockets. Yeah, uh, I did get the uh, the list, by the way. Uh, yeah, hold, hold 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 that thought one second, Joey. Okay. You 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 were about to say the same thing I was, were you? Probably. Um, can I say say that again, Dallin? The What's digger that? you deep. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Here, I thought I was sober tonight. I'm actually unapologetic about that. But anyways, sounds like a t-shirt. www.teespring.com/slash/hctv. Uh, oh. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be, be the the, Dal the, the line. All, all the all the words I flubbed up. I'll, I'll be more famous than George book. W. Bush. <laughs> I hope you're writing a book, Dalinisms 2018. <laughs> sure, we'll see. Anyway, so would you? What, hey, what, you know what? If Jack Handy could do it with deep thoughts, who knows? All right, uh, I, I okay. could do one of my own. Actually, I, I think a book from you on things like critical thought, Joseph, would be a bestseller, to be honest. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, I do say that without, I do not want to, I, I don't want to come across as sarcastic when I say that. Anyways. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm a bit deer in the headlights, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whenever you get time, I mean, I know you're busy with your place and all. All I do is share stuff from like self-examination. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I got news for you, dude. That's this whole show. Yeah. Some, some people blog about it. Some people um, are New York Times bestselling authors as a result. Some people are just audio bitches for it. So let's move it along. Go ahead. And, and, but enough about my career choices or lack thereof. Um, okay. So the UN. Um, a total of 128 countries voted in favor of the motion to... Um, bitch slap the United States in their whole declaration of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Nine countries voted against. And in Coalition of the Willing News, our, lust, our list is Guatemala, Honduras, Israel, not a big surprise, mm -hmm. the Marshall Islands, Micronesia. Wait a minute, the Marshall Islands? Are yeah. presented at the UN? Apparently. Wow. Okay. Uh, Micronesia. Mm -hmm. Nauru. I think I pronounced that right. Palau. Togo. And the United States. Those were the nine that basically sided with uh, Trump. God, I almost said oh, yeah. Bush. You said um, voted against. <laughs> uh, well, against the motion to bitch slap the U.S., Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. Yeah. It, I actually had to read it a couple of times too, to make sure that I was saying it right without it being, uh, it, it was a reversal um, of what we were thinking. Also, uh, of course, you know, Canada abstained as did 35 other countries to answer your question, Joseph, R Russia voted with the UN to contribute to the bitch slap. So um, the, the UN or the U S pointing their finger saying, you know, we know where you live. Russia's like, indeed, comrade. <laughs> yeah, so the, for them, the U.S. is really indeed the village idiot. Uh, yeah, which is which is really sad. Like the the whole thing about you know make America great again. It sounds good. It, it sounds like a great idea because there was a time. I think for cherry pickers. Mm, see, I I don't know, like. Uh, I, I was more insight. Well, yeah, like I was more concerned with you know the goings on in my own country rather than what was going on south of me back when I was a kid. So you know, I, I don't know if there was ever a a golden age, at least during my lifetime, uh, in the U.S. This is not a slight against against you know anybody on the panel here or any of my friends who are all south of the border. Um, I just don't know. I think what they're they're. We tend to be, um, there's a good 
portion of the United States who are, whether they realize it or not, they're, they're the pro-conformist. Yeah. Um, borderline, you know, vying for a dictatorship. But, um, you know, how the U.S. was united at the, during the Second World War, you know, everybody was united, united, like unanimous against the enemy, like working as a society and all that. Yeah. And so they tended to be pretty, pretty conformist then. Yeah. And but, some of that bled over to the 1950s with the riches they earned, uh, you know, during the Second World War with the heightened production and everything. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't the wealth inequality then. Yeah, no, not not by a long shot. But I mean, let's so let's also let's it's also a mix of a lot of things. But but still, it's it's only part of the picture. Yeah, and let's let's make sure that we've got part of this context in place too. World War II, it was pretty easy to figure out who was the bad guy, because well, they were the ones that were. What's Joey? What's the word for it? Uh, I believe the term is uh, genocide. Is that is that the right is that the right verb that I'm thinking of? genociding but don't forget that uh during the the, a lot of that didn't come out until after the war some of it yes i think but you're right about the enemy part i mean everything was literally was black and white then i mean there's there's moral decision to make you know you're on one side or the other and you had any other choice now all the we, decisions were made for you, and you couldn't be wrong. Uh, if yeah. you were wrong, you were like wrong. But well, well ag- again, this particular context at that time, it wasn't hard. It wasn't a hard decision. There was very little ambiguity. You side. You're either siding with a country that is yet again overreaching into trying to become uh, a world superpower by military domination of almost an entire continent or you're against that. That's, I mean, even, even leaving the, the, leaving the Jewish part of it out, leaving, leaving the internment camps out of it. That's a pretty easy one to try to figure. Yeah. Now, um, over in the, uh, over in the chat, by the way, Trippin, uh, did point out something and I, I want to make sure it's in here Had asked, didn't Reagan start make America great again as a slogan? Yes, he did. But here's part of the problem. Using the slogan is all well and good. It's how you, how you go about getting to those ends that really determines whether or not you're an asshole. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did I, did I just say that loud? I'm sorry. Should I not have said? I don't Don't worry about it. Yeah. So here's the problem. We now have a group who is saying we want to make America great again. Um, then we've got some people who are saying the time that America was great again was when we still only had uh, 10 amendments to the constitution. And uh, those uh, uppity black folks didn't have a voice in anything. Yeah. Nice guy. But now we've got people who are saying the way for us to move forward is to take the government completely out of everything. Just let the market take care of everything because it'll solve itself. Which, yeah. um, if I remember right, Joey, uh, wasn't it Ohio that once upon a time had a, a river that literally lit on fire because there was so much shit that was thrown into it because no government uh, oversight and and uh, no nothing? Yep. Good old. 
Good old Ohio. Party hard. Yeah, which uh, which uh, which river was that? Even I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. That was mistakes. Look, I've been awake for about half an hour now, so uh, that's fair. Let me go ahead and double check that before I have a case of insert foot. Yeah, well, while you're looking that one up, uh, I can I can go ahead and say uh, for my hometowns of the five boroughs of New York City because. I was born in Brooklyn. Yes. I got rid of my accent. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, the East River of New York was one of those places where if you wanted to find uh, a 55 Buick, you could. All you had to do was just dredge it up. And that was not terribly difficult. And it probably came with the body of the dead monster in it, too. You know, funny enough, you know, you want to go ahead and you want to bogart the joke, man. That's fine. Anytime you want to go ahead and do that, just jump right in, man. Screw you. Anytime. Screw you. I I am the bull in the china shop of some people's witticisms. You know what? What you got bollocks under you. That's fine. Uh, yeah, Joe. <laughs> that would have been the uh, Cuyahoga River. And that was I've, what, I've heard of this one before. Yes. Um, was that 67, I think? Actually, it was if, you know, okay, that doesn't want to work. Um, I think that photo should be accompanied with the caption, make a great, make America great again. 1969. 69 is the year I was born. And uh, yeah, folks, that's not stuff that's, bur- that's not like stuff on the shore burning or stuff floating on top of the water burning. That's water burning. Yeah. Because there was so much shit in it at the time. Yeah. This is, this is the kind of chemistry that your profs, you know, warn you about in class. Um, but no, you want to talk about another thing about, you know, the so-called make America great again. Um, one of Trump's earlier, I use this term loosely victories was the, um, the carrier plant. You guys remember this one? Not off the top of my head. Okay. Um, give me a second here. Yeah. One of, one of Trump's biggest things was to try to revamp the manufacturing sector in America, which, you know, a lot of it is outsourced. It's overseas because it's cheaper labor, less regulations, yada, yada, bloody, bloody. And he toured that one plant. It was uh, it was called Carrier. I'm trying to remember what it is they did. Um, shoot, I can't remember. But uh, after Trump was elected, one of the first things he did was he went to this one particular plant. I believe it was in Indiana. Might have been. Oh yeah, here it here it is. Um, Kerry was planning to close its facility in Indianapolis and move their operations to Mexico. And Trump went on the warpath to try to save the plant, you know, save America's jobs. Okay. Yeah. I think I remember this one now. Yeah. Um, then this happened. Don't forget, yes. there are people who are just listening. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. We've only been doing this for three years, man. Come on. <laughs> I was going for the dramatic effect. All right, give me a break. Um, so this is from the Um, 
how reputable it is, I don't know. Uh, someone wants to rip me apart on that one, fine. But the headline reads, Carrier plans final layoffs at plant Trump vowed to protect. Um, this is actually dating back to November 9th. So this is this is a fairly old thing. He, he yeah. probably didn't get the memo that he wasn't supposed to be doing that until after the meeting. Yeah, but... Um, Yep, a carrier which struck a deal with President Trump last year to keep jobs at its Indianapolis plant is renting itself for the final round of layoffs at the facility. More than 200 people will lose their jobs in January. Um, Robert James, the president of the union that represent plant workers, said employees, quote, just don't have any faith in this plant staying in Indianapolis, unquote. Um... Yeah, Trump uh, had reached an agreement with the corporation last November in 2016 to preserve about 1,000 jobs at the Indianapolis plant. Um, Still more than 1,100 jobs remain at the Indianapolis facility in keeping with their commitment. Um, Oh, it's an air conditioning company. Was his visit Uh, there during his campaign or... Actually, I think it was either shortly after his election or it was during his campaign. No, it was after the election because that's when he actually had power to do stuff. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds like it stumps, you know, something he would do on a campaign. But um, yeah, if yeah. it's after, that's a different context. Yeah. And then um, earlier this year, uh, it says here that the air conditioning company laid off 300 workers at the Indianapolis factory. So. Yeah, you're looking at about um, about 500 people being laid off this year alone. Um, and there are plans to relocate part of the manufacturing production to somewhere else. So really what you've got here is, you know, he well, you could say he tried. But at the same time, it's... He, he was trying to, he's avoiding, he was avoiding the inevitable. So how does this all play together with what Joseph was trying to, trying to get me along with and, and forgive me for looking down a little bit. Uh, I, while Dallin had his, uh, his uh, web windows open, uh, I finally saw that um, there was a message that was going through and uh, I, it does not normally come up on my computer screen, so I've got it over my phone, and that's that's uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of why. Anyway, uh, okay, so I got that. So the reason for sorry, the reason for putting this all together is that, like I said earlier, you know, it's like this anti-intellectualism, <coughs> this complete ignorance of the past is coming around and it's infiltrated the top, the most influential sectors of, you know, my government. And it's like everybody else that has said, you know, you know, nerds, you guys need to just go ahead and just sit over to the side because you're nerds. And it's like, it's like nobody wants to call them out for what they're doing. And that 
that's what kind of got me with this whole damn thing. Because what, what Joseph, you know, uh, you know what? Let, let me let me just do it this way because it's it's going to be a little bit easier. Uh, Joseph, if 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 you could go ahead and kind of explain what it is that you were really pitching over, maybe maybe we we'll get some some better color into trying to understand why I'm trying to make this a little bit broader than what you had specifically gone into. I think that would confuse the issue because I wrote you about uh, um, missing the point on atheism. That it's not about uh, believing in things; it's believing not believing the people who claim things. But um, there is a tie-in uh, where uh, f- how could I tie that in? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the the way that I've been the, the way that I've been thinking about it is that the way that you were kind of uh, pitching it over to me, and the way that I was thinking of it was that people don't want to understand the the meta of something. Now, for instance, the the way that you'd pitched it was people don't want to understand that a theism or a theism means that you just are without a God. That's actually what it boils down to. And until they actually understand that part of any question or statement about whatever beyond that, they're not going to understand the rest of the question or the rest of the statement. There's a lot to unpackage there because I mean, um, what, what I, I I can, okay. I I can uh, tell you exactly what I wrote you. Uh, Atheist without uh, between quotes quote unquote without gods is a theist perspective and a means of branding those others who won't fearfully obey us but i'd rather atheist as in without theists and their claims and who cares about their claims or any claims without evidence so you've got two different perspectives on the same word the same question and um you know, what you're talking about, anti-intellectualism, um, you know, that too is one point with two perspectives because you've got an anti-intellectualism from a certain part of the population who is used to depending on others for their for their survival, I put it that way. Um, you know, they have leaders that they obey imitate and all that so whatever you're saying whatever intellectuals say doesn't correspond to the the narrative that they're they depend upon so the anti-intellectual anti-intellectualism from them is one thing but then you have the anti anti-intellectualism from the leaders uh which is of a different sort because they're saying hey you're not obeying us uh you're not following our narrative you're spoiling our game basically you're 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 being a monkey wrench in whatever we're trying to do which is manipulate people uh into depending on them did that make sense it it does it's it's a lot like with everything else that we end up dealing with sometimes you know there's a lot to process if you and follow the rabbit, if you follow both rabbit holes all the way down, you get to the same place. But um, there's a lot to unpackage there. 
Yeah, it is. And unfortunately for a, a lot of those pieces, it's also uncomfortable because there's a lot of uh, self, th- there's a lot of introspection that has to happen in order to understand, well, how much am I actually being influenced by this? And I didn't really realize it before. And, oh shit, what have I done that might have been against better judgment otherwise? And well, all right, got to leave that behind. Got to work on the now, got to work on the future. And how the hell do I help everybody else around me? And it, like I said, sometimes this kind of stuff can get to be bigger and bigger the more you think about it, which sucks. You you, you imagine, um, you know, this conversation is not going to happen for a good lot of the population because, I mean, if you depend on somebody else for your own for your survival, you got somebody in front of you. They're saying, "Follow me." Well, you're either going to follow them, and um, they tend people tend to call it suspension of belief, suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. But it, it's actually more than that. Um, you you suspend all thought processes. You make everything you do correspond to whoever you're you're following. So, like. When somebody else is um, imitating somebody else's example, they're not thinking themselves. They're basically pattern matching to to whatever they're following. So, you know, no matter what you say to them, no matter uh, they can only verify whether that matches or not their narrative. Yeah. They're not actually going to think about it as long as they're relying on somebody else. And it's almost like a bit of conditioning where the people who are doing the so-called thinking for everybody and establishing the pattern is saying things like thinking is too hard. Let us think for you. Yeah. You know, all you have to do is sit there and eat your Big Macs, play your Xbox, surf the internet and let us take care of it. Just, just give us the votes when we need them so that we can continue doing what we do and you can go back to your life as it was. We'll make you comfortable. We'll take care of everything. Exactly. And what what I was going to say was uh, just just real quickly is, you know, to me, that's anti-intellectualism. That is not caring enough to think about or through whatever happens to be going on around you. uh, It doesn't even register for a good lot of the population. Well, no, and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, look at the whole um, Obamacare slash ACA debacle where, you know, people were going around talking to people who were on ACA and you mentioned the word Obamacare and it's, you know, knee jerk reaction. Suddenly it's, you know, all that Obamacare is all evil and shit like that. And then when they finally realized that, well, actually you're on Obamacare because it's actually officially called the affordable care act. Yeah. And it, 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 it was, it was, it, it was it was reactions that would have been just tantamount to talking to Americans. Damn it. He found the switch, but, but you're right. Um, now I, I, I want to pause at one thing, Joseph, and, and feel free to kick my ass on this one at any point, please. If the people who were doing the thinking for us, If they had the best of intentions at the time, as in, yes, they they were the ones that were taking the charge and taking care of the policies and taking care of the economy, but were doing so 
with the best interests of the people at heart. In other words, they weren't the kind of politicians we see nowadays. Like, I, I, I wonder if maybe that's how it all started. That maybe there was at, at first, oh, you know yeah, what I mean? You have a point. Yeah, like but we, the, we actually had benevolent benevolent leaders at one point. We, we can tie that in with um, religion, actually, because in the beginning, uh, the 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 religious guys were actually peacemakers, right. because you know when when humans started to live together in greater numbers, each with their own clan, each with their own whatever, you know. There, there were there things tended to be pretty chaotic, and yeah. um, but uh, hold, guys, hold on, hold on. Imagine being in the middle of an argument. You've got two people arguing with each other, and you're there, and you're going like you. You try to be the diplomat, try to make these guys, you know, see reason. Yeah, I'll, you know, calm down, talk with each other, or whatever. And you, you, and it comes to a certain point where you know another side is listening. So, you know, they came up with a quote-unquote better argument. Well, it's not me. It's my imaginary friend. My imaginary friend says this. You can follow my imaginary friend. It's something completely outside each narrative. And it was a kind of a unification point. And, yeah, I think that, that really worked in that way in the beginning. But in the process, well, the people... It, the guy being the dip diplomat, he, he discovered on the way, well, how manipulable uh, people are. Yeah. And at the same time also. And ran um, with it. Yeah. And also the common people, things evolve. Like intelligence evolves. Science and technology suddenly answer some of those questions that were only answerable by saying God did it. Oh, but you're talking about the last, like, since the 19th century. Yeah, all I'm saying is that, you know, like, um, I guess that's where I was going. Like, at first, the it was unifying. It was sort of well-intentioned in order to foster peace, progress, and prosperity. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking probably in the probably in the first century. Yeah. Okay, so, Joey, you, you, were, you were smiling there, so I'll, I'll back off. <laughs> oh, I wasn't smiling. No, you didn't have your finger up. You, no, you, I, it's I a good a finger. finger. I have a good finger. I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Dominus Fabiscum shithead. Go ahead. <laughs> you see, we have discussed we have discussed the idea, uh, a particular film before. And we have used it to highlight some of our concerns, but I have to admit I'm, I must confess, I have never actually finished watching the entirety of the film Idiocracy because I couldn't. Uh, uh, fair warning, I have not seen either. So, the premise being everything we're discussing right now with what politicians are doing and the way that popular culture in America is going and so on and so forth. Yeah, take all your worst fears, lump them into one, uh, into one nice package, and uh, put that in office, and that's basically the gist of the film. Hmm. But with what's going on, 
I can think of no better words than those of a particular bird that shall always remain two. Uh-oh. Dear rest of the world. Ah, yes. Not all Americans are morons, but the ones that uh, seem to be in charge uh, seem to have all the money and seem to be calling all the shots. Yeah. There is a great rant about that. Yeah, but those aren't the people running the show. No. Right now, because uh, that, that's the thing. Because you know, since even the Catholics figured it out, you know, put put a put a puppet up front while we take care of shit in the background. No, I can't imagine what that could possibly be referenced to. The well, worst part of it is right now. I think one of the biggest problems is that the biggest. God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. This this you. You guys have no idea how difficult it is for me to say this because I feel like I'm onto something again with this. The biggest voting block right now is apathy. Yeah. Over half of the population that could have voted in the last general election, the one that put what's his butt into the seat that he's currently occupying. Although right now it's transferred over to his own private location where he's earning money. Thank you very much. There's a story behind that one. Hmm. Over half the population that could have voted didn't. That's, that's disturbing. Hmm. That's annoying. And that's something that I really wish was not the case. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to reference the same bird a few years later where he put out a vlog saying, who am I voting for? Because a lot of people at the time were going to the YouTubes and seeing, you know, what their favorite personality was going to do in the wake of this whole election. And what two basically said was, I'm going to vote for me. And so he's, he was going to pencil himself in as the candidate. And he said that if he won, he was going to disappear for four years. Go sit on a beach somewhere, have um, presidential drinks given to him on a, on a platter. And he was going to give both parties four more years like basically he wasn't going to change anything. He was going to veto everything Congress and the Senate was going to do. He was going to make sure that the status quo remained as it was to give the government, to give both sides four more years to come up with a pair of worthy candidates. And that, that to me is the biggest thing right now is that in the last election, there were no real icons to vote for. I mean, you look at, you look at the Republican roster and the the fact that Donald Trump was the one that, um, stood out, that says a lot that that says about just how lazy the Republicans really were, but sorry, go ahead. ahead. Okay. But, but on the flip side, okay. Hillary Clinton was the number he, she was the two of the one, two punch that the Democrats wanted or that the left wanted to give the right. Because first they got a black man in office. 
And I don't care what you say about policy, what you say about philosophy, what you say about anything. That was the thumb in the left eye of the conservative right to have, pardon my saying this, a nigger in the White House. Now, before anybody goes ahead and starts sending us nasty grams about this one, if you were paying attention, you heard damned chapter and verse exactly that. And I have gone ahead and said it many a time. So if you're going to go ahead and complain about anybody saying that, blame me because I'm the one that said it on this show first because it was the right thing and it was in context yeah. and it was right. But I've, also been, but I've also been saying the same thing since 2008. Yeah. I have, I, I have said all the time that everybody in the South, all those red states were, they flipped their shit when Obama got in because suddenly, you know, them there, uh, them folks, we, we done given uh, voting rights to, well, well, now they're up in the, in the White House. So, and, oh God, who was I talking to about this? It, it was it was a podcaster. I, I can't remember who it was though. Um, Christ. Anyway, yeah. Anyways, so when it came to you know the next cycle, now you've got Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. What pours more salt in an already open wound? for the stereotypical doddering old farts that everybody seems to think the Republicans are first, you get a black man in the office. What do you follow it up with a woman? That was the strategic one, two punch of the left that was going to trounce, uh, the right. It failed miserably because it actually turns out that, uh, Bernie Sanders appealed more to the, the left's voting block. And while well, we see, the, and the fact that Stack Like Pancakes can come up with a song like 45, well, we all know how that all turned out. Yeah, I got to get back in touch with them again because I've yeah. heard shit. But, but to that end, what I haven't seen, the only thing I've seen so far from the Democrats since this is an awful lot of crap about Russia, none of which apparently has been proven yet, as far as I know. But they hammer it like a redheaded stepchild as if they, you know, that seems to be all they talk about. It's, it's Russia, Russia, Russia. It's like the Brady bunch screaming, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha all the time. But that's what you hear the most. I mean, and well, yeah. it, you can, you can tie that in with the people who don't vote. Um, these, this silent uh, yeah. body that we should hear more about what they're thinking. Um, I, agree. We don't. I, I agree. Um, but the other thing too is that we have, like it, it. It was only a few weeks ago I found out that you know the, the name of the new DNC leader, Tom Perez, and what's his claim to fame? Oh, you're pro-life. Get out of here. Why would you do that? That that is not the hill to die on, buddy. Um, for, and and also, when Trump got elected, what was what was one of the first things we said? You know, everybody started talking about, well, you know, 2020 is coming. Well, no, 2018 is coming. You have the chance to turn your Congress and your Senate back to the Democratic side. And I, I know some states are starting to flip. There's been a couple of close calls, and, and some states are starting to turn blue. I, I agree. I'll grant you that. 
but maybe it's me, but I'm not seeing this huge swell that's going to tell me that come the midterms and, you know, next year that you're going to end up with the deadlocked house that is basically going to take the piss out of everything Trump wants to do. Like, it's are they take, on track for it or, or what? It's going to take a while for a good lot of the population to understand that their vote actually counts, which is why they don't vote because yeah. they think because, because these people, it, it, it's kind of like what you're conveying uh, through like all you're seeing on the, uh, the internet. It sounds like it's the majority. It sounds like it. Yeah. But these guys are just the noisiest. That's all. Well, and uh, as my as my former boss once said, the squeaky wheel always gets the grease. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's something I want to uh, uh, I want to semi read, semi sing off because I, I think it I think it's something God that needs say. to be shh, shh, stop. Something that actually uh, would make sense in this context, I think. For those of you that have not been uh, following or have not heard about one of these uh, Broadway shows that's uh, been uh, kind of in the news uh, a couple of times, you might have heard of it, Hamilton. It's it's okay if you haven't heard about it. There is uh, there is a section where they're talking about the election of 1800, I believe it was. Let me just double check. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yes, the battle. Uh, it was the the election of 1800 here in the United States. And they're trying to figure out who is uh, who's going to end up becoming president. And it was uh, John Adams and Aaron Burr who were basically duking it out. And the public was trying to figure out who who were they going to vote for. And they were, you know, they were they were trying to figure out who should they go for. Burr is going out there and he's going door to door and, you know, kind of selling himself and, you know, so they're trying to figure out for uh, uh, for uh, John Adams, who can they get behind him to help push him over the top for votes? So they finally end up going to Alexander Hamilton. And the lines in the story uh, from from the uh, from the song go like this. The people are asking to hear my voice for the country is facing a difficult choice. And if you were to ask me who I'd promote, Jefferson has my vote. I have never agreed with Jefferson once. We have fought on like 75 different fronts. But when all is said and done, Jefferson has beliefs. Burr has none. And that's something that I think we need to keep in mind. There are so many times when people need to be told, get out to vote. Why aren't you going out there and voting? Because, well, the apathy factor is so huge. But the ones that end up getting stoked to vote, we have a bad habit in this country of being reactionary and not promoting something we like to clean up after something is spilled all over the place we don't like to put something on the middle of the table so it doesn't fall over but we also have this problem where just because i don't agree with you doesn't mean that you're not a better personality if it had come down to the country looking at this stuff 
from the last election. Hillary Clinton? Yes, I don't agree with all of what she does, but she's standing for certain things. And Trump, we can easily see, is all over the place every time. There's there's nothing that makes any tant about anything that makes any kind of sense. But it does match the narrative. The Republican yeah. narrative. Yeah, and on in in a lot of ways, yeah. And unfortunately, Which makes to me, no sense when yeah. you put it together. But individually as sound bites. Um well, you know, you're, you're completely sorry. No, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I I I missed your rhythm there, so please please go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit farther away than you are too. Um yeah, you're completely right where people uh people one, they tend to live in a comfort bubble. You know, they're only aware of how they feel at any given point in time. Like everything is here and now, which reduces, you know, their behavior to reactions um, that where they're not able to see that, uh, you know, a coffee toward, coffee cup towards the edge of the table, that it might fall off. They only understand that after it's already fallen off. But if they yeah. just see the coffee cup just sitting there, they they won't think anything about it until unless they're told to you know somebody if somebody whoever they depend upon for their value judgments uh, comes to them and says oh that coffee cup might fall off well then oh then i better move it then yeah but as long as nobody says that yeah puts it in front of them they're they're not going to go there it doesn't even register yeah it's it's the myopia of the masses i mean it's like, like you said, reactionary. And I, I think back like, again to just some of the recent speeches Trump's given. You know, he, he brings up the whole concept of crooked Hillary, the way Al Bundy brings up his touchdown pass from Polk High School 40 years after the fact. It, it's the thing is, he was, he's doing it. I know what he's trying to do. He's, he's trying to, you know, play off the, the myopia of the masses. I've said that before you know, where nobody thinks back quite far enough. There, there's no sense of history anymore. It's, it's like Joseph said, it's the here and now it's, it's the reactionary. And the thing is the, the media pushes that reactionary that that's what they appeal to because, you know, it's, you know, breaking news and, you know, and, um, you know, Alex Jones levels of intensity, even on like freaking CNN, um, they might as well just flash a sign that says danger, danger. I yeah, mean, but then and not tell you what the danger is. It's just just keep the adrenaline yeah, going. But it doesn't register. It's just it just that the certain words trigger that reaction. That's all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they've been people, and really people are conditioned. They've been conditioned to, when they hear atheists, they have a reaction. When they hear Hillary, now they're conditioned to have a reaction, and the reaction is the same. Mm-hmm. Across the board. You know what? Uh, hold on a second. Behavior pattern. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, I'm going to tie that into something that Trippin had said uh, a, a little while ago over in the uh, over in the live chat. And yes, guys, I am I am watching. And and forgive me for not you know catching every everything and putting it in. But this is one that I think that we can uh, pull into this. We just need to follow things and all capital letters now. Research, research, research. 
no more caps. Take everything with a bucket of salt. I, I, I don't use this term lightly. I love you for that. That is the whole reason why we talk about this stuff and why we do this and why we try to push onto everybody, or at least why I try really, really hard with my new best friends there on Facebook and try to get them to understand this shit. Yeah, but you know well, what? There... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, we have to find a way of you know getting through to the, getting through to people yeah. who won't make their own decisions. Because I mean, um, you know, when everything's reduced to pattern matching, as it is when somebody else is using somebody else's judgment, um, yeah, there, 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 there's no getting through. You can do all the research in the world. It's like what you were talking about earlier. You can present them with the facts in their face. You can show a video of somebody saying something. And since it's, this makes no logical sense i know but since it's not here and now it doesn't exist yeah in the mind of the viewer who's not making their own value judgments is like that and what really counts for the person watching is the reaction of the you know like the person presenting the facts um if they get pissed off that their presentation of evidence didn't have any effect and all that. Um, well, uh, they lose for a good lot of the population. Did that make sense? Um, I tried to say a lot of things all at once, yeah. but it's like a religious debate in a way, you know, you've got, if, if half the audience is theist and half the audience is, um, uh, well, they can think for themselves. Then, you know, if uh, one side, or I take the Ken Ham and uh, Bill Nye debate, you know, Bill Nye comes forward with a demonstration of evidence that's testable and all that. And, um, and it can make perfect sense and it can check out and everything. Um, you're going to have the, the, the thinking part of the population. They're going to be for him and they're going to think their guy won. But if Bill Nye gets pissed off at whatever Ken Ham, Ken Ham says, or if he thinks for a second, or he expresses doubt, or something like that, some sort of emotional reaction, the theist part of the audience is going to think their guy won because Bill Nye is mm -hmm. showing sign of weakness. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to that. Yeah, there was a um, assertiveness. Yeah. Assertiveness without showing emotion, which is tough, especially if you're passionate about something. Well, like no, but Ken Ham, he did all. He said all his crap with like um, with a voice. He that's a funny thing. You hear to hear somebody say bullshit with a voice of authority. Uh, that's annoying, but I mean that's that's what works for them. Yeah, that's but, why he does it. Well, the funny thing too. Um, what's his name? Uh, Thunderfoot. Yes, I'm referencing him, but if anybody's watching or listening and doesn't like him, too bad. I'm going to reference him anyway. Um, some of the uh, videos that he's done, uh, he did it. He's well, actually, he's still doing it too, thanks to Ken Ham. Uh, his "Why Do People Laugh at Creationist" series, which is I think is on like episode 49 now, over the past nine years, he's been busy. But 
a lot of what you heard in the Ken Ham versus Bill Nye debate, Ken was pretty much reading off a script that he's been reading off of for many, many years. What's ironic about that is that 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 is a demonstration of the scientific method. That list is stuff that quote unquote works that he's tested. Yeah. And that's why he sticks to it. Yeah. But um, what I was going to say was uh, uh, there's a great comedian. um, Well, I think he's great. Lewis Black. You guys might've heard of him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did a great, he did a great show. Uh, this was, uh, I don't know if it was around September 11th, uh, like the nine 11 or a few years afterwards, but, um, he really did blast a lot of people in the media about their coverage of the whole thing. He said, what, what American needed, they needed a, a show where they would actually take apart the history of the Taliban. You know, kind of following Sun Tzu's philosophy, know your enemy. You know, um, hmm. they, they should have been promoting an educational thing. Okay, how did Islam get started? What, what, why, why does this, why do Muslims, or sorry, why do people like the Taliban and these other fanatical factions of, of Islam, why do they hate the West so much? What, what's their beef? What is their driving force? What's the motive? Understand the enemy. Get a little educated. And this is something Lewis Black said. He said, and the response to that was like, damn, screw it. We know where they are. Let's go blow them up. You know, to to quote Vasquez from, uh, from Aliens, I only need to know one thing, where they are. And it's that kind of ignorance that I think is, uh, it's now getting worse in that you can play, you know, politicians can play off that now. And even religious people can play off of that now and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, we'll tell you where they are. And all you have to do is react to what we say. Yeah. This, uh, this is something I want to kind of, uh, give as a, as an explanation for, um, or as a, as a, as, as an analogy for what Joseph was saying earlier about, uh, pattern matching, uh, something that just kind of came to me. And I'm I'm going to kind of give this to uh, to folks to think about and to mull over for yourselves a little bit later. Assume for a moment that you have a a jar of coins. Now it used to be once upon a time that what we would do is just take you know you got loose change at the end of the day, put it into the put into the into the uh, piggy bank or put it into a, a jar, and at the end of a year, you'd take it out and you'd sort through it, you roll it up and you bring it in, you check, cash it in into your accounts so that you've got money for the end of the year for Christmas gifts or Hanukkah gifts or Kwanzaa or Festivus, which didn't exist at the time, but you know, whatever, I'm going to put it out there or Gravmas. There you go. Roll credits. They're, they're name drop. All right, whatever. God, get this hard bucket out, man. Jesus. <laughs> you can now take these coins to a machine to have them sorted. Or you could have bought for yourself your own sorting machine. And I, I, I call it a machine, although it could it was just as easily just a, a little plastic device that had slits and places where the, the coins could just run down into whatever the holders were. And it was done by size. 
what if you got Canadian coins in there with your American coins? For instance, quarters are pretty much the same size. Dimes are pretty close. But pennies were virtually identical. And technically on our side of the border, and technically on their side of the border, you've got uh, a foreign coin. It has no actual value. But for pennies, we didn't care. Now, you know, it doesn't matter. But what if it's a, what if it's a different coin from a different part of the world? Again, it has no value. Or you go back in time, once upon a time, people would make slugs. Some people remember what these were. They were basically pieces of metal that were shaped into about the right size for a quarter or a dime. And sometimes the guys would be cute about it. And they put a, they put uh, some, uh, some, uh, some string on the end of it so that you could drop the, drop the quarter or the slug of a quarter into, you know, a, a telephone, a public telephone, and then yank it out again so that you could just use it over and over and over again. It looks like it's a coin, but it's not until you actually look closer at it. We need to not pattern match by size or maybe by whether something is magnetic in order to sort it into where it's supposed to have value. With coins, it's easy. It's money. It's something that is tangible that we can, you know, we can utilize. Ideas are less tangible, but they still need to be examined for what they are and not just put into any old hole just because it looks like it's supposed to fit in that hole. I know that that was kind of a, a little, a little odd to try to explain through, but I, I I've had this one kind of kicking around in my head for a little bit. And it's, it's one of those things that kind of seemed to make sense to me at the time. I hope it kind of mm. works for people for later. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I drank too much coffee tonight. I'm sorry. Uh, well, well, you know, you know what they say, the digger you deep. <laughs> yeah. The skeptic in me got, got kind of, well, it kind of makes myself ask myself, well, who made the machine? No, you're, you, you, it's too late for those kinds of things. Don't get that meta on me. God damn it. No, no, no. He actually comes up with a point because the, the I, machine. I, I could unpackage that too, but anyways. Well, you say the machine was built. In the spirit of fairness, where, where actual coins would be used because the maker of the machine had a certain amount of faith in the common good of the people. Ooh, and that's, that's, uh, yeah. Am I getting a little too meta or more meta? Or I don't even know what the hell meta means, you know, honestly. No, that sounds a lot more positive <laughs> than what I had in mind. <laughs> but anyway. You know, this is actually one of my tragic flaws is I actually try to look for the good in everything. And I try to, I used to look for the good in all the people uh, that, I, that I knew. And yeah, um, we're making Bible passages here, you know, because yeah. it can be interpreted in two different ways. Well, I, I honestly think that. Um, Completely opposite. Well, well, no, like, I mean, the, I've grown cynical over the years, um, <laughs> thanks to some of the company I keep. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. But, um, like, one of the things I always wonder is, you know, we, we have 
religion and religious authority figures in the positions that they are right now, how did they get there? And I, I, I can't believe right off the top that this was all, I'm not one to believe in conspiracies for one thing. Well, it's no, it all comes to that, but that's the thing because that's why I disregard a lot of conspiracy, conspiracy theorists, because I mean, it all comes down to the individual and it appeals to something instinctual in us. Yeah. I I I could say what it is, but I'd have to, to to unpackage that, but, um, which would take too long, but it, yeah. it basically it appeals to our survival instinct. Yeah, and and I guess what I also think is that, like a lot of the, what we're seeing today is sort of the souring of a lot of things that started out. At least I'd like to think they started out with the best of intentions. Like I said before, that you know the whole uh, using religion as some kind of a unifying force to provide a level of stability so that civilization could move forward. But unfortunately, and it's it, it's like any empire that started out, um, like you look at the Roman Empire, for instance, one of the things that it was known for was when the, when the soldiers were done doing what they did, what was the reward? Land. They were given, a, they were given land to have a home, to have a farm, to, to basically have a life. But unfortunately, the land ran out. You know, the, the military was a limited requirement. And when you stopped expanding the boundaries of your empire, you ran out of real estate to give all these soldiers that you promised before. So things begin to deteriorate. So like I said, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think a lot of the, the things that we're seeing now are sort of on the deterioration stage of something that was originally put in place with the best of intentions in mind, but not enough forethought or context or even the ability to really take a step back and look at it objectively to really see the consequences of going down that path. Well, it starts with a utopia. You know, it's like, uh, you know, anybody can have a great idea, but when you apply it to reality, it doesn't work out. Um, well, but- it's like, <laughs> we do this a lot, don't we? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I try not to There's talk all, over you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's because of the delay too. That that could be. Um go say so go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, um like I've learned about like in, in school I learned about uh, different economic models, the capitalist model, the communist model, the socialist model. Mm. Uh, and and then political models as well. And the that thing annoyed is me so much. Oh, I know. I know. I, I'm, I'm with you there. And one thing always came up is that a lot of these look good on paper. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a huge upsurge. Uh, well, there, there is an upsurge on the left side of the political spectrum in the States right now um, where, um, you know, communism is becoming a, uh, or so well, socialism slash communism is becoming almost a trend now where, where people want to see that they want to see mass wealth redistribution. Um, they want to see the government take care of everything for them. You know, thinking is too hard. Let us think for you, blah, blah, blah. But the trouble is all of these. Moss. 
philosophies, they don't take into account the human factor. The fact that we are all individuals and we are not all necessarily motivated by the same things. And you know, as well, the, hmm? the, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's, you're, there's two things that brings up because the, the, the human condition is that, um, you know, if we're comfortable, we're, we're, you know, thinking takes work. And mm-hmm. what is thinking basically? It's, um, it's survival for us. Um, it's, you know, finding a better thing to do. Well, what happens if we don't need anything better, if we don't want anything better, or we're conditioned to live in certain conditions? I mean, for certain people who are comfortable, who think they're comfortable, um, comfortable is the status quo, which means how I've lived until now. And basically it comes down to, well, going back to what we were talking about earlier about reaction, um, basically what's going on in the brain is that uh, people are saying, well, I've survived so far and it's worked so far. So this different thing, that's going to be a danger to that. And yeah. people are just going to outright reject um, any new idea. It's almost instinctive. And two, people who implement these ideas when they when they when they when it comes to the time to apply them they find out they discover this that uh, well actually the, they don't want to think they just want to they want me to decide for them you know what they should or shouldn't do and they tend to take advantage of it you know it becomes an advantage that exactly. it becomes something exploitable so you've got both a utopic view you know people who think tend to think that everybody else thinks too that's that's the biggest fault yeah you know with (laughs) with the democrats with um you know there's got to be we have to find a way to cross that bridge i think there's a i think there's a piece about this uh, as far as to how people think that really has been influencing why why we get into the situation that we've gotten into now. And that's just simply greed. We here in the United States are on this capitalist thing. If you don't have the newest, the greatest, the biggest, the most recent, the next version 1.0, you're not good enough. And that's that, just on a consumer level. Though. Well, it, it goes beyond that. It doesn't matter what it is. Where? If if I I have the right to be married as a white a white male. But why should somebody that isn't me have what I've got? Why should I allow somebody else to have that? When my forefathers fought on this, my, my, my forefathers came from Italy. My forefathers fought on this land against England so that we could have marriage for me and the woman that I choose. Why should another man be allowed to marry another man? That's going to change how I have mine. 
that then goes into that can go into religion as a rationale for why, but then it goes into you want to make sure that I keep what I've got. I want you to go over there and just do whatever you got to do in order for me to keep mine and keep it away from somebody else. doesn't matter if it doesn't have any actual intrinsic value, but if you're going to go ahead and you're going to keep me getting mine, fine. I want you to go ahead and I want you to do that. You know, there's a lot of, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I I agree. But um, again, you're projecting thinking on somebody else. I don't think the thought level goes that far. If I was going to imagine on, if I saw this, what you were saying on a television screen, you know, all I would see is like big red letters appear in front of it different. And and it would stop there, basically. Maybe, but it's, you don't have to do very much in the line of thinking other than I have what I want. I want to keep it. You say that you're going to make it so that I keep it. That's all I need to know. Go and do that. Mm-hmm. Matches or doesn't match. That's it. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of talk these days about, um, you know, everybody's screaming Orwell. Everybody's screaming 1984. The, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I want to go one step further. Are you guys familiar with the author Aldous Huxley? Oh, Yes. Yeah, I figured I figured Joseph would be uh, not a slight to America, but he was an author of a book called Brave New World. It was written in 1931, and it kind of follows the same kind of dystopian uh, future, uh, although it's uh, his takes place in the year 2540. Uh, <laughs> bit of a leap, but one thing, and I, I actually I took this book in English class in high school, and one of the things they talked about was this whole sleep learning there was actually a caste system of people and through sleep therapy and selective oxygen gener- de- uh, oxygen deprivation during stages of birth. Like there was no more natural childbirth. Everybody was like spit out of a tube, but you had the alphas, which were normal people like you and I, there was the, the, the betas, the gammas and the deltas were the worker class and they were actually conditioned to be the worker class. But, but the big thing about it was how the media and how society shaped these different classes of people. And I see a lot of that now with um, like with everything we've been talking about, like on the, on the TV, like you were talking about, you know, because I'm a white man, I get to do this and I want other people to do whatever it takes to, so that I can keep this comes down to the majority i'm in the majority and i have what i want yeah but think about the the conditioning of uh of tv commercials like that you know this is your home you want to protect your home don't you you don't want those filthy degenerates from another country to come and take your job do you the minorities yeah those filthy minorities yeah and And they're they're a couple and yep. they sell to that narrative. Yep. So they, they and if you vote for me, we'll take care of it. Don't think about it. Let us think it for you. This ad paid for by your local government representative. It's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's a type of conditioning, which is subtle, insidious, and unfortunately, it's wrapped up in that whole comfort thing. Yeah, see, you're 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 forgetting that you can you can 
you can whittle that down to three letters. FUD. FUD. For those of you that are unaware of FUD, it's not FUD with two Ds as in Elmer. It's FUD as in the marketing system that Microsoft used from the late e from yeah from the eighties through well not too very long ago and I think they still do. FUD F U D stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And as Michael Moore so put it, yeah, as as Michael Moore put it, fear and consumption. Yep. If you can sow enough fear, uncertainty, and doubt, you can sway the narrative any way you want to. Is OS2 a more stable platform than Windows 3.1? It doesn't matter. We're installed in more systems going out the door, and that's what you want to buy because we're out there. Doesn't matter that they're a multitasking 32-bit operating system five years ahead of Windows 3.1 doesn't matter. We've got the <laughs> we've got the stuff that you want because we run all the software that you want. And um go back and look and you'll see marketing for Windows is exactly what that was. Yeah. They're a marketing company. They're not a software company. Yeah. And they've they've really learned how humans work. And that's why they're so rich. It's well, not because of anything they make. You know, what was it? Um, the, okay, um, the Daily Wire. Um, they do a couple of podcasts, and one of them is the Ben Shapiro Show. You should hear some of this guy's sponsors. Um, there's a line for people who have, who have concealed carry licenses who have shot people in self-defense. He actually has a sponsor who was a lawyer to help get you through the legal process if you've actually killed somebody uh, with your weapon. Um, there was another one about, um, oh, what is it? yeah, you know, cr Christmas is coming and you want to protect your home. And if you take this course, butter, you can get a free gun. And I'm like, uh, okay, I, I honest to God, the first time I heard that, I did my Jeff Holiday E621 face. Is that you know, <laughs> yeah, I was like, holy Christ. And yeah. then you signed up. <laughs> well, unfortunately, because I'm Canadian, I can't. Uh, oh, <laughs> damn. You say unfortunately like that's a bad thing. Uh, well. Oh. Mary Susan, maybe you can get your green card. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. It, it, but, <laughs> but the thing is, like, the whole thing, um, I, I don't think it's out of the woods yet. I, I don't think, I, I mean, shit, politicians are using FUD. No, okay. Somebody help me on this one. Uh, you might be the only one who can, uh, because I don't have cable. I don't know if Joey's got cable. Do you like, I, do, do you have regular TV? I, I do, but uh, I'd be hard-pressed to tell you when the last time was that I watched anything, but go okay. on. The only reason I ask is one of the things I remember back from when I used to watch TV normally was watching, um, we usually, uh, let's see, growing up, my NBC, ABC, and CBS were from Detroit. Um, I was going to WPX, New York, good station. Uh, but as I moved west, uh, we started to get our stuff from Spokane. Washington. Okay. Uh, you know, Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, whatever. My point. God, I do this too much. 
when it came time for your governors or your congressmen or are senators elected? Yes. Okay. Sorry. I just, it's okay. I don't understand your political system, man. <laughs> it hurts too much. It's, it, it's okay. The higher up you are, the more likely you are to be elected. The lower you are, the higher likely that you're appointed. And that doesn't always follow for every state or for every jurisdiction, but generally speaking. So anyway, going on. Okay. Fair point. What I noticed is that at first we would have one candidate who would talk about the issues, taxes, roads, infrastructure, um, police, fire, anything like that. And their promises were to thoroughly examine it, improve the roads, make sure that the parks were clean so that kids would have a place to play. Something you would expect a politician to say and hopefully deliver on. Again, I was young, very naive at the time, but the other side, there, there, there was no promises of uh, of improving the, the station of life or, or even maintaining the status quo. It was a directed attack on their opponent. Oh, this person signed this into tax or signed this tax into law and, oh, paid off this police or a police officer for this corrupt act. And it was just attack, 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 attack. And over the years, I saw it eventually it got to the point where both sides didn't give two shits about the issues and were just more concerned with get that guy. And this is where I, I think a lot of it falls apart nowadays is that, okay, so MTV and hip station here and hipster station there and politically correct station over here are telling you to get out and rock the vote, wrap the vote, meddle the vote, do, do whatever the hell you got to do, just vote. Right? Yeah. But what are you voting for? Do, do you know the issues? Do you know what it is that your, your candidates stand for? Do you know what side of the political spectrum um, you should be voting on? Because, you know, their, their um, promises or their mindset falls in line with yours. And surprise, it might not be the liberal side. It could very well be that, you know, young Mr. MTV generation, uh, politically correct type person might end up actually voting for the conservative guy because wow, upon actually examining what the conservative guy has to say, I actually more agree with him, but they don't do that. It's, it, it's, a, it's attack, attack, attack. There's never any talk about the issues anymore. It doesn't sound like. They've discovered how voters work. I mean, that I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to say, but the majority of the population, they react, they don't, uh, they, yeah. you know, they don't think about the issues. It doesn't count for them. It, it's they, they've got their guy. And, you know, what they're trying to get people to do is choose a decider, somebody who's going to decide things for me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it comes down to uh, credibility. And basically this guy is, you know, like by their narrative, um, if the other guy makes one mistake, that should be enough to discredit them completely as a person, which makes no logical sense because I oh, mean, we yeah. all make mistakes. But mm -hmm. in the mind of 
the follower, um, that works. So, you know, if you can discredit somebody else as a leader, then, you know, it, it comes down to a trust issue more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Let me, uh, let me, let me tackle a little bit of this because then uh, I got to give you guys a couple of seconds to close out for yourselves. Um, let me, let me tackle uh, what Dallin was just talking about, because there is uh, there's an answer in this that gets wrapped up into what Joseph was just saying too. used to be. And in some cases still is here are the topics that I want to discuss. These are the things I want to do. If I am elected, these are the areas I'm going to investigate into. And these are the improvements that I think need to be made and that I would like to have made and that I want to work towards making. Even if it means that we have to discuss with our opponents in order to figure out how to make this good for everyone later. That is not just good politics. That is good reasoning. I have things I want to do. I have things I want to investigate and I have things I will work towards so that things are better for everyone. What has become the trite answer to that on too many occasions here in the United States is the simple mantra, cut taxes, period. No rhyme or reason, no explanation beyond, I don't want to pay more in taxes. I want us to have the same tax rate to pay the same amount in taxes, no matter what inflation does, and still get the same or more for the money that we've got. How many people do we have on the police force? Doesn't matter. We can't afford anymore. Doesn't matter. Run a deficit if you have to. I'm not paying for more. What's going on with the roadways? They're in crap shape. So what? I'm not going to pay more than that. Well, we need more. Run a deficit. It doesn't matter. We'll pay for it later. We'll find money for it later. Well, we don't have enough for good schooling for the kids that are in there. We're not paying enough to get educators who know what the hell they're doing. Doesn't matter. Run a deficit. We'll figure it out later. That's the problem. We don't have people who are willing to pay in order to get a better thinking country. John Green said it. I like paying taxes to my school district, even though I have no kids, because I don't want to live in a country with a bunch of stupid people. If we had good civics lessons, if we had good teachers with history, with mathematics, with STEM, with music, with education that is on par or better than the rest of the world, which once upon a time we had at least on par with most of the rest of the world. Then, and only then, would we actually be able to fulfill on the idea of making America great again. Because could it be? Yes, it could. And there's only one way to do that. To pay for it. Because it's the investment in the kids 
that makes it that way. There are future customers. And paying no. for a kid's education makes them makes it makes an, a better job accessible for them, which means they have more money, which means uh, they're going to be better customers. But giving them the better education gives them the tools necessary to be able to choose for themselves what job, how to invest themselves into it. And maybe they don't want necessarily, quote unquote, the better paying job. Maybe they want to get their education and take a good enough job as far as money is concerned for things like Habitat for Humanity, Doctors Without Borders. There's a lot of possibilities, and that's kind of where I'm going. Um, we're, we've got time enough that uh, we need to wrap up over here. And yes, we did get joined by Heretic Woman. I'm going to get to her in just a couple of moments over here. But Just in time uh, to plug her show. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, before we get to that, uh, Joseph, was there anything else that you wanted to, to finish off and add before we go ahead and uh, close up shop? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Uh, thank you all. Well, we're not, we're, don't, we're not going away just yet. Just hang on. <laughs> don't, don't push the, don't push the show off the air just yet. These are my last words. You know, uh, the Italian in me is saying I could make that happen if you really want, but we're not going to do that. Dallin, anything that you wanted to uh, finish off with at this point? Uh, I honestly think I've ranted enough, except just to say that, um, There, there's got to be some priorities got to be shifted around in the near future. And honestly, I've, I've heard a lot of people lately talk about how everybody seems so happy to talk about what's wrong with America, with the West in general. Like some people actually will go that far, but what I don't hear enough of is enough people come trying to come up with ideas on how to fix it. They, they, they look at it and all they can do is point fingers and say, you know, your roads are screwed up. Your railways are screwed up. Your economy's in the toilet. Your government is this. More okay. importantly, you've convinced them that they're a part of it. They're part of the solution because you know, that kind of thing is just finger pointing. It's like shifting the burden of responsibility. Well, exactly. But, but, but as well as, you know, telling them that, okay, yeah, you are the solution. Okay. Where do you get started? This is the Trump. biggest problem I have. Well, this is the biggest problem I have with rallies and people who go around raising awareness. Okay. Look, you, you can raise awareness on an, on an issue for six months, but until you actually come up with some kind of implementation uh, or, or once you've, you've got everybody whipped up into that energy, into that level of energy where they, they want to do something, how do you focus it? What, what, what is step one? And I think what we've got here is we've got a barely contained nuclear explosion of enthusiasm and rage at what's going on. But nobody knows where the starting line is. And that's a problem. And the trouble is the people who actually do know where the starting line is, well, they said something in a blog post 10 years ago, so we really can't believe them now, can we? And a good lot of them, yeah, they want to be at the front of the line. They want to be that they want to lead the pack. Yeah, but the trouble it's is they're 
you know, the trouble is it's the blind leading the blank. You know, that's the problem. The, the people who want to be in the lead have absolutely no idea what to do. They're the noisiest. Yeah. They learned how to be noisy. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean they know what to do. They just know how to market it like a particular Cheeto. Um, anyways. Yeah, so. the people who have most things to say don't say anything at all. That's mm-hmm. our biggest problem. So, Joey, I know that you haven't had uh, much that you've wanted to specifically chime in so far, but I want to give you your chance if there was anything you wanted to add before we get out of I don't know what you're taking all this time to think about it for. You knew it was coming. Actually, a gesture like that tells me that maybe I should get a seatbelt. Famous last words of a grammaticist. I am about to, or I am going to die. Either is acceptable. Cryptic. It, if if accurate, but still <laughs> cryptic, yes. So we'll see how this plays out. So let's go ahead and, and uh, go ahead and close up shop. Everybody, thank you very much for being with us tonight. Even with that weird ending, thank you. We hope that you've found something worthwhile in all of our perspectives and have something worthwhile to think about for yourself on all this topic. So let me go ahead and grab Heretic Woman, figuratively speaking. Hi, hon. Nice of you to join us. You feeling better? Yeah, a bit, yeah. I had something to eat that generally helps. <laughs> kind of over, kind of overdid it last night. Oh, Stayed dear. Up. Yeah, well, you know why? Because I launched a show today. <laughs> I saw that, and I actually, um, I was out driving around today running some errands, and I dumped everything that I could find in the feed onto my iPod and was listening to it, and um, if I could just say... An excellent oh. start. I got through the first uh, episode and a half, two episodes. Thank you. I like where it's going. And um, again, as a bit of an audio snob, because, you know, I am the audio bitch, um, everything sounded really good. Excellent. Thank no, you. No, no peaking. The pace was good. Everything. It sounded great. I'm, you, you got a fan. Yay. And <laughs> I, wait, I till actually... I, wait till I start reading the damn book, though. You haven't got to that part yet. <laughs> well, if you're looking, I think I said this before, if you're looking for like a guest reader or whatever, I haven't gotten my copy yet, but um, well, I'll just make yeah. sure that when I do, I'll break up the vodka so that I can actually pronounce yeah. some of this shit. <laughs> In Arabic, otherwise you won't understand it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, you know, there are a yeah. couple of us that would like the opportunity. Four score and seven olives ago. All yeah. this great goat on. I don't know. <laughs> are you happy? Oh, okay, look, look. Let's not bring the whole goats thing in because then we might want to set them on fire. Oh, but so, Dallin, Dallin, did you get to the the part with the goat in episode two yet? I don't know, <laughs> not yet. I just got finished the. Um, uh, there was still a lot of the a lot of the history. Um, like the Sunnis right. and the Shia and all the other splinter groups yeah. and everything. Uh, yeah. I think that's where about where I left off. Like I said, I was okay. driving at the time. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah it was well, a, a little bit of a spoiler. Cause I didn't know this until I talked to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, an ex Muslim who's fair bit of a, a Quran scholar. And um, 
part of the Quran was actually eaten by a goat before oh, it was. That one I got. Yeah, you, that you was. Did get yeah. that? Yes. Yeah, Aisha's <laughs> leaf under the under the pillow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who the hell keeps part of your holy book on a leaf under your pillow? Uh, somebody who probably didn't think it was going to be a holy book at the time. Yeah, most likely. You know, again, you got to go for context here. You know, yep. it's like. Uh, yep. So yes, part part of the Quran, because because that's why the whole stoning of adulterers is only in the the um, supplementary material called the Hadith. It's not in the Quran because a goat ate that part. <laughs> How convenient! Yeah, yep. we'll, we'll we'll kind of explain about the uh, we'll kind of explain about the goats later because it's a, there's a whole other context. But in the meantime. <laughs> It's, it's kind of like the the dog ate my homework excuse. But, you know, yes, <laughs> yes. You know that. that oh, might it. They don't the like goat it. ate my leaf. <laughs> oh God! You know, there's a yeah, later. later. No. <laughs> woman, why don't you go ahead and explain about this new project of yours? Because so, we need yes. new links. Because I was saying earlier, you know, the show notes we still have uh, old Facebook links, and we need to very old Facebook links. Oh dear. Um, well, the show's called Full Quranic, and I just launched it uh, yesterday, or yeah, I guess it's yesterday now. Um, so you can find it at fullquranic.com, and I've got six whole episodes out, and it's um, the first two, I talk a bit about who's Muhammad, and where did this Quran thing come from, and all that fun stuff, and uh, then I just read the Quran. So, because most people, when they open it and start reading that, their eyes glaze over and they start to drool at the corner of their mouth and all that. Kind of like reading Lord of the Rings. Hey, that's like my favorite book of all time, buddy. (laughs) The fact that you have to be a masochist is not. Hey, okay, but I I will admit, I will admit, I have not read the Council of Elrond chapters in like since the eighties. Because every time I get there, I'm like, yeah, I know what happened. Skip. <laughs> yeah, but spoilers, yeah. Gandalf dies. <laughs> uh, more than once. <laughs> anyway, so going on. Uh, um, but yeah, so I just read the Quran. And so that way, as my tagline says, I read it so you don't have to. So there we go. And I'm hoping uh, just to bring the information to people in a way that doesn't make their eyes glaze over and them start drooling and whatnot. So, because I think it's important um, if you're going to be, and I say this in the opening episode is look, if I'm going to say that I disagree and I'm actually against a theology, then I better know why. So if you don't know, and most Muslims don't know what's in the damn book, same way most Christians don't know what's in the Bible. So what I said before about Sun Tzu, know your enemy. Yep, exactly. So yeah, um, I'm hoping that people will find it uh, more enjoyable than sitting there with a musty old Quran. <laughs> Fair enough. And we will, of course, get uh, the new show notes uh, updated and the new links so that you guys can go ahead and check that out as well. Awesome. So, Thank you. No worries. So to close up shop properly, Joseph, thank you, man. You take care of yourself and uh, good luck with their, all the rest of what you're working on at this point for the place. The end is in sight. Thank you. No worries. Congratulations. Joey, of course, as always, thank you very much for your time. And uh, you have fun with all those uh, colorful lights on the sides of your ears. 
<laughs> Just what I'm waiting for them to change say? color. <laughs> oh, boy. In the words of James French, convicted murderer. Hey, fellas, how about this for a headline for tomorrow's paper? French fries. Oh. Not getting in the middle of this one. Dallin? <laughs> Thank you for your time, of course, as always, and all of your assistance on everything. And Yeah. I'm not entirely sure if I could follow up that one with uh, from Joey there. I just, no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be freedom fries? Yeah. Uh, nice see up here. We call that poutine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as as always, um, glad to be here. Glad to help. Um, I will try to get the audio updated on the uh, website this weekend. Um, I, I need something to do. Um, uh, tomorrow night, I'm heading out to my sister, my brother's place for Christmas Eve. And found out uh, my niece is in town from Ontario. And she's the one that gave me all these mad props about these cookies I bake. So... I guess I'm going to be a little bit busy tomorrow, but in in the in between time, he's got to bake cookies <laughs> again. I, I I did that for the potluck last week, and I'm doing it again. You're going to force uh, feed her. Yeah. Oh no! Like, look, I I got the uh, I got one of the greatest compliments uh, from her a couple of weeks ago uh, when she said that I made I, I I got my mom's recipe for classic chocolate chip cookies and apparently i make them better than she does Ooh, awesome uh it's it's a great compliment but at the same time is this something you want your mother to know <laughs> yes it's a valid it's a valid question <laughs> yes and i can tell you why you can say real easy i found out how to how to make them better i don't include grandma hand sweat that's the answer there's you've a story. Met, I was going to say, but you've never met my mother, and no, I, I do. I do not say that. There's a, there's a story behind that one. I'll tell you guys another time. Anyway, so finishing off your plug for everything. Yes, of course. The audio version of this show uh, is available as a subscribable podcast over at holycrapthevlogcast.com. And then, of course, myself, if uh, if I ever find myself inspired to write, bitch, rant about something that uh, maybe isn't outside the scope of the show, uh, you'll see that over at inthewind.yo5.ca. So, as always, everybody, thank you very much for being with us over there on the live chat. Trippin, Stephanie, thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us. Uh, I think that was all that was in there other than, uh, well, Dallin, I saw that you were chiming in so you know, thanks for mm -hmm. helping out with that if you guys would like to go ahead and get in touch with us at any time of course all of our contact links are available over at the website as mentioned holycrapthevlogcast.com the voicemail is 859-HCTV-554 859-4288-554 and yes Patreon is still up there although I last I checked nothing's going on with it which is fine but if you do feel that you'd like to go ahead and subscribe for whatever reason, you can go ahead and go to us over at patreon.com slash HCTV. Yes, I got lucky on that one. Last year, uh, we weren't sure if we were going to have a show this time of year because it was falling on the 25th of December, and we decided to call it Gravness. And, well, you know what? It's good to be able to do. And, yeah, I know some people are a little surprised that we were doing a show. But 
like with me doing my DJ sets, I try to do as often as I can because it's kind of community. We have things that we want to do. We have friends that we want to be with. And I try my best to make sure that I provide that as many times as often as I can. For those of you that are celebrating this holiday season, we hope that you have yourself an enjoyable and safe one. For those of you that are celebrating as best you can, maybe you can't be with the people that you would like to be. Maybe you don't have closeness with your family. Please remember that with us, you have family of choice. We will be here. You have to always remember, and it's at the end of our show notes always, it's okay to feel lonely. Don't ever think for a minute that you're alone. If you need somebody, let us know, and we'll be there for you. And we're just as dysfunctional. (laughs) Yes, we will. So, until next week, and yes, I do intend on having a show again next week, you all take very good care of yourselves. Stay safe. And just remember, we've been doing this for a little while now. And in three years, we have about half the number of shows that the guys over cognitive distance have, and they put out more than one show a week. You know what that means? We're catching up. (laughs) I'd like to think that we have more vocabulary than them, but you know what? Fine. They've got a whole bunch of extra people and they've got a whole bunch of money. So you know what? Fuck them. I don't care. Whatever the case would be. Okay. Look, if you want me to start, you know what? Maybe heretic woman and I will just, we'll start doing a duet of a long black cock. Okay. There we go. All right. No, I, the last thing that I want to be thinking about is her and and having a long black cock coming out of her face. I really don't need that. Thank okay, look, and look. If you're looking for something like that, go back over for Affinity. I hear there's a whole brand new Herm section or something. Yeah, oh. but you know that that serenade might work for the new show. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't pray on the show, but you know. <laughs> that said. <laughs> uh, this is what I get. Seriously. Well, have yourselves a safe holiday. And we'll look forward to having you back again. As always, I wish you all the peace I no longer have. I wish you the strength that I've learned. I wish you well. And of course, my lady, 12 plus years on, I'm still in love. Matane Fujin, I love you and I miss you. Dream of me. Until the next time we get together, everyone, as always, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment on the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Google Plus pages. Theme music provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. On behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening.